one podcast. Mining the Magic the Gathering subreddits for salt. This is The Howling Salt Mine. It's The Howling Salt Mine. The Howling Salt Mine. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Howling Salt Mine podcast. The podcast where we delve into those salty, salty minds of the Magic the Gathering community, find the saltiest stories, the saltiest posts, those salty confessionals that we love, load them into our mine cart, put on our little helmet. We got like a canary in a bird cage. Uh, no, we don't. Fucking... We no, we use what sensitive instrumentation. Just get to the end. We don't bit. hurt animals. Excuse no, me. No animals were harmed in the creation of this podcast. Yeah. Excuse me. Uh, you guys haven't been introduced yet. You cannot talk contractually. <laughs> you cannot speak. Um. Yeah. So, anyways, we're in the mine. There's boots. Um. You know, I got overalls on. Uh. And we bring those stories up and share them with you, our dear prospectors at home. As always, I'm your host Sam, and I'm joined by. Two uh, contract-breaking co-hosts, <laughs> Tony and Mike. Say hey, guys. Hey, guys. What up, what up, what up, what up? Mike, did you just whisper hey, guys, as like a you little like joke? whispered it, a, yeah. A soothing little, hey, uh, how's it Soothing going? little pistachio boy. <laughs> did we ever talk about, did we ever talk about why Mike is pistachio boy? Nope. We definitely yeah, we did. did. We definitely did. did. We 100% did. Yeah, it's yeah. 100% It's been established. If you don't know, fucking go listen to the HSM 30 magic anniversary special, whatever. Wow, that's thing. not something. It's definitely yeah. not what it's um, called, but it's like try. close enough. They'll understand. No, they don't. Uh, go listen to our Vegas episode. That was close enough. That's was, all you that had to say. I basically sorry. said the same thing. I basically that's said all the you same had thing. to say. Uh, what were you going to say before I interrupted you? Did you guys play Banjo Kazooie uh, yeah. as, as a kid? Oh, yeah. Did yep. you play Banjo Tooie? No, no. So it's like the second game, and there's like a mine level in it. So when you said that, and there's like a yellow canary, there's like this like game that you play with a canary in the mine. You play it with it throughout the game. It's like one of those like mash A at the right time games, mm-hmm. so that you could like move faster and you like beat it. But hmm. Banjo Kazooie, great game. The only time I played Banjo Kazooie was in Uncharted 4, where there's a section in Uncharted 4 where you play as the main character playing Banjo Kazooie. Seriously? That's actually yeah. fucking sick. <laughs> yeah, you play Banjo Kazooie in Uncharted 4. Is that a who made That's Banjo real. Kazooie? Is that a rare game? Yeah, it is. Did Rare make or get purchased by the company that made Uncharted? Maybe. I have no idea the legality of it. They just put it in there. It happened. They're though. like, everybody loves Banjo Kazooie, so it'll be fine. No one's going to sue us. They did what we did with our theme song. Yeah, fair use, <laughs> fair use parody. Yeah, instead of Banjo Kazooie, it's Banjo Buki. Ooh, <laughs> ooh! It took me way too long oh, to figure out how to guys. say that in my head. I'm. I'm you fucking I'm lied. Us. I lied to you. It's uh, God it's Crash it. Bandicoot, not Banjo Kazooie. You can understand my confusion having not played either of those games before <laughs> honestly it is confusing because in the uncharted movie tom holland uh, i don't know if you guys saw it but there's it a moment not. where tom holland turns to the camera and says i love banjo kazooie <laughs> and he opens his backpack and a fucking bird head comes out of it oh yeah, and that's why they don't reference it for the rest of the game uh yeah. movie it's like an easter egg but it's like right in front of you yeah, it's like an Easter egg, but it hatches and a bird comes out of your backpack. It's really weird. 
And then and then he fucking Spider-Man flips and they're like, wow, it really was an uncharted two. Spider-Man <laughs> as in like Toby Maguire Spider-Man flip or Tom Holland Spider-Man flip or Andrew Garfield Spider-Man flip. Animated Miles Morales Spider-Man flip. Yeah, on, oddly Tony. enough, Tom Holland does a Miles Morales flip. It's very strange. Nice. Is, that's the one where Post Malone drops in the background while he does a flip, right? Yeah, Post <laughs> like, Malone drops from the sky. It's crazy. <laughs> and they're just like, well, he's fucking falling. That's not good. And Spider-Man doesn't save him. Spider-Man doesn't save him. Awkward. Yeah, everyone gets one except him, apparently. That's exactly. kind of crazy. Yeah, wow. I know. It's wild. Wow, it's crazy. What a, what a wild world we live in. <laughs> speaking of wild worlds i played a bunch of wild magic over the uh over the weekend and it was great oh that really tell us about that so my friends and i did like a 70 dollar budget commander list uh where we each chose two commanders two boons and two busts or as you, you could also call them two perks and two quirks boons and busts boons and busts we made these like uh, like spin a wheel things and we each got one of these random commanders random perks and random quirks so uh, mine was Reki for the random commander which is like a green whenever you cast a legendary spell you draw a card mm-hmm. and then my perk was whenever I make a token I make one additional and then my quirk oh, wow. was that I lost a color out of my color identity and since it was a mono we just decided that meant no colorless cards so every card in my deck had to have an actual green pip on it. Wow. So no lands. As, no, basic lands, basic forests. <laughs> basic forests have a green pip on I mean, them. If no you use the mana uh, rocks. <laughs> yeah, no, no rocks. No rocks, no like equipment, none of the legendary like equipment or like cool legendary artifacts or anything. Wow, geez. Um yeah, so that was really wacky for me. And then we had someone on Raf Capuchin, which is like a flash historic thing. Seen some playing CDH. Yeah, see some playing CDH. Also, the Howling Abomination, which also sees some CDH play. Is that Blanca? Yeah, that's Blanca. Okay. The one for that, I think, Tony, you'll appreciate this. Uh, the the quirk for that was no words that say counter on them. <laughs> oh, my God. oh, my God. What a so, weird thing. That's awesome. So no counter spells, but also no like counters, like no plus one, plus one counters or anything. Yeah. Oh, Tony definitely wouldn't love that. He loves counters. <laughs> I mean, I he love the half plus of plus it. Plus yeah, he loves half of it. Um, so that was interesting. We had one of the perks was anytime you were dealt damage, that creature was goaded after. Like when you were dealt damage by a creature, that creature was goaded, which was hilarious into Howling Abomination because yeah. it has like a heroic trigger essentially that deals two damage to everyone. So then it would just immediately get goaded every time <laughs> they like That's use cool. that ability. How how did you resolve the goad when it was goading with against every it just had to attack? Like was it goaded by a specific player? Because it damaged everybody. One player basically had an emblem, which is when you're dealt damage, oh, that creature is goaded. That is cool. Okay. Yeah. I see now. I see. So it was really fun because we, you know, we got on like a call like a few months ago and kind of came up with all these fun ideas of like what different advantages and disadvantages could be. Mm-hmm. Did you have a base of any sort or you guys literally just like sat and came up with them together? You need some like balanced magic people to do that. <laughs> well, it was not totally balanced. Like Pat, who has been on the show a few times, his quirk was like his his bad thing was that he couldn't use any non-creature spells lower than three CMC. 
Oh, so wow. he like also basically couldn't use efficient rocks or rituals. He was on Scorpion God. So he had like a pretty rough time. He like went reanimator with it, which was really smart because it meant he could, you know, like still get high mana value things out into play. Mm-hmm. But it was great. Part of the fun was coming up with all these different things and then, you know, trying to brew around this weird specific uh, restriction that you, you're never going to see out in the in the normal world. So how was the play balance? Like, what did you think about it? It was pretty good. We were like pretty happy and satisfied with it. Like honestly, even surprised at how close the balance was. The Blanca deck did win two games, which was kind of reasonable. And then my deck won one of the games. Did you have any budget controls or anything like that? He said 70. Yeah. So it was 70, $70 budget, not counting your commander and basics. So sweet. Um, That's cool. Yeah. You know, it was trickier to fit into the budget with like a restriction on your deck building as well, because you have, you know, like, oh, you can't include these cards or something like that. So I definitely am interested in maybe taking this deck and making a version of it that is probably more like a $50 budget, but doesn't have the the extra restrictions on it. So that's fun mm-hmm. to have this sort of like base of a deck. But we've also been talking about we're going to take this and add another wheel of some kind. Oh my God. Or maybe allow people to re-roll. So when we initially chose, everybody got one re-roll of either their commander, their perk, or their quirk, and they could re-roll the wheel and get one of the other ones that hadn't been chosen yet. Oh, I like that. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Did you have a real wheel or did you use a digital wheel? There's only one right acceptable answer, and I think I know what you did. Yeah, if it wasn't a wheel of cheese with sticky notes on it, it's wrong. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that that was the right answer right tony yes yeah. it was thank you sam You're so the problem we tried to do a wheel of cheese we really did but we kept eating it too quickly and oh, our little cheese boy classic isn't working yeah really a classic <laughs> issue uh, <laughs> not for we're stupid we're so stupid <laughs> <laughs> this is how i read it but i did a show once where we had like a wheel it was very different but it was that of cheese no, it was it was a barbershop show. I was singing with a quartet and we just had like things on the wheel that you like had to do. Like it it landed on like Tony takes two shots. Like that was like an example Whoa. of what happens on it Damn. Uh, at the show. Uh, and that was brutal. And it landed on that. And the audience turned on me very quickly. But turned on you. Yeah, they did. Like because I had already done a shot. That's the one where <laughs> like... you also rolled. Didn't you also wheel into have to eat a hot pepper and then sing a song? Or was that a different yes. show? Yeah, we yeah, ate a habanero that. and then sang a song. And it was fucking brutal. Oh it was my hilarious. God, dude. It a was really habanero? fun. Did you, yeah. did you see it, Mike? Yeah, I was I was there for that. Oh, it was dude, really funny. Awesome. It was really funny. <laughs> Tony, did anyone uh, cast Orcish Bowmasters when you, after you spun the wheel? No, I wish. It wasn't out yet. It was an illegal card. At home, people are fucking freaking out by how great my joke was. They're fucking are loving they? it. Yeah. <laughs> Even though neither Mike nor I laughed. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, everybody else taste. is laughing for sure. Yeah. You guys yeah, have bad taste. Just have bad taste. <laughs> anyway, I'm assuming you didn't get a real wheel, Mike. My my point of that story was that we got a real wheel and then returned it on Amazon the next day. Oh my god. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's awesome. That's really funny. <laughs> we we talked about a real wheel, uh, but we were all too dispersed uh across the northeast. So we, we didn't get together in person to do the the spinning of the wheel, unfortunately. Yeah, I feel that. It's interesting you talked about budget decks because I just got my first preview of some really, really spicy. budget EDH decks over this past weekend. 
Um, so I was down in Philly doing some recording for like future content uh, with another creator and stay tuned, stay tuned on that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and a couple people were also there. One was Ken Bauman, who is known for like Clark Sakashima CDH fame. And then the other one is moderately anonymous MTG, uh, Dan, who, who runs that channel. And it's just a, a sweetheart CDH player. And both of them are tuned into this $50 casual EDH meta. And basically they were both like, I either play CDH or I play $50 casual. I don't play anything else. <laughs> and I was like, That's, I love that. Like they don't play any other casual decks. And I'm like, that is fucking respectable. I really dig that. And man, let me tell you, these $50 decks absolutely fucked. It was crazy. My first introduction was Ken playing a $50 Tivit deck. And Tivit is like CDH. Tivit is just an incredibly broken commander. Ken was like, he was like, the deck is so good because Tivit was a design mistake. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I see that. Uh, and it combos off with Time Sieve, which is tap, sacrifice five artifacts, and you take an extra turn. If you haven't seen Tivit, just look it up. It, it's got this like voting mechanic. Basically, it either makes five treasures or five clues or some combination of those, depending on how a four pod votes. And by doing that, you feed into a time sieve and you can just combo off. So very powerful in CDH right now. So he made a $50 version, similar building constraints as you, Mike. Uh, $50, you don't count the commander, you don't count the cost of a basic land, but all your non-basics and every other card is included. And this deck was so spicy, dude. He hit a long-term plans and was like flickering Tivit uh, it's an ETB and an attack trigger. He would attack and then flicker it and get like 10 tokens in some combination of treasure and clues using the treasure to crack the clues, dig into what he tutored with long-term plans, which puts it three cards from the top, got his time sieve on like turn four or five and was basically like, hey, I can play this time sieve right now and combo and win, but let's just like keep playing the game. So we all just sort of like nodded and we're like, yep, you have the win and we'll just keep playing because we're having a good time. It's crazy what these decks can do. Dan was on a uh, Tim Nathrasios partner deck, which obviously is like an incredibly powerful card engine in the command zone between the two of them. No combos, but it was just an absolute beast. It was doing some really, really crazy stuff. Like no Seaborn Muse, but like, what is it like Merktide liege was in there which lets you mm. untap all your green and blue creatures so there's a lot of like interesting angles and things that you can do at these very very low dollar values and still squeeze out an incredibly powerful deck but it is like semi-contingent it feels on having a super powerful commander like 100 obviously you can make like powerful commanders that aren't like expensive but like inherently yeah. just having those abilities in the command zone is like insane yeah definitely i mean the the deck is 100 percent supported by the powerful commanders but at the same time like you would be surprised what cards can fit into a budget 50 dollars deck like tidespout tyrant which is a classic cdh polymorph target big control piece big combo win piece is like a dollar 50 like there's a lot of stuff mm -hmm. that can fit into these budget decks and you can you make a couple uh, concessions on some card choices and you can fit something in that's maybe like four bucks and it kind of becomes like the center of your deck so it's really really fascinating it hung at the tables without any issues like it it could keep up with pretty much everybody 
and honestly interacted a little bit more. And I think it's because they were using like a CDH mindset mm -hmm. to build a $50 deck. So it was just incredibly tight when they played it. And honestly, I'm like super hung up on it for the last three days. I've just been thinking about brewing Thrasios Dargo $50. And I have a brew going right now and it's, it's fucking spicy, man. It's really nice. fun. So this is going to be like my new obsession basically for, for a while. It's just these casual $50 decks. I can't wait to have to edit like 30 of these in the next coming weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I've been holding off so much for the last two days to not send you this deck list, Mike. <laughs> As people know, Mike is like the person that I send a deck list when I'm like, dude, I need fucking 10 card cuts. And I, I think it was kind of recently you were like, please don't make me do cuts on this list. Just send it to me and let me give you ideas for once, not just cuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah i like the adding side too i don't like just the removing side well truthfully every time i send you a list to give cuts you're like yeah here's some cuts but also here's 10 cards that you didn't yeah. think of yeah and it's like, impossible okay, well, not to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like well now i have to consider these <laughs> but yeah man I, I think there's a lot of cool stuff you can do with budget bills and you know especially in our group where the arms race for like deck price has really, really gone up. It's just really cool to see these budget builds hang and and be powerful and be a strong presence at the table, but not completely break the bank. It was kind of eye-opening to see. I feel like they've gone up though because I'm a whore for borderless cards. So like I just buy all the borderless cards. Yes. Because the, the way the way it works is that it's like the lowest uh printing on moxfield right that's how it's based like yeah in reality you can have like you know a fucking yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was trying to think of a card that would be uh cheap but expensive also in prints and i guess nothing what? was coming to mind you know what I'm saying? so so you just I... cut that last bit it's fine <laughs> oh yeah i will yeah, I mean, you can like bling the deck out basically if you want. Like it what matters is the minimum cost of the card. The printing itself doesn't really matter. So like Dan's deck for example is like fucking fully foiled out and wicked wicked blingy, but it's a $50 Tim Nathrasios deck, but the actual value of the cards in the deck are like way way higher. But yeah. he's built it with $50 worth of cards, essentially. It could be built with $50 worth of cards. Exactly. Ian even had one where he took it even further. And he had a fully foil $50 Agar, the Freezing Flame deck. And every single card was foil. And that was included in the $50 price. Wow. So he specifically built it with like foils just to be like, look what I can do. And the deck was really good. I mean, he Love didn't it. get a chance to play it, but I was flipping through it. I was like, dude, there's fucking spice in here. It's awesome. Nice. Cool. Well, should we talk about Saul? Let's say, you know what else is spicy? Ooh. Or a spice that you put Ghost on things. chili pepper salt. It's <laughs> a thing that I purchased one time and... Oh boy, way too spicy to put on food. <laughs> it was Damn. unpleasantly spicy. Yeah, that sounds unpleasant. I've never been a fan of those things that are like so hot that it just hurts, you know? Yeah, I hear that. Yeah, I mean, we are walking out of the preamble atrium and into the Howling Salt Mine proper. This is how we transitioned in our last episode, Mike. And uh, it's as clunky as it sounds right now. <laughs> yeah, it's going really smoothly. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> 
Yep. Tony also made <laughs> that, that was, noise. It was, it was better last time. I can already tell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't leave you guys alone for one day. <laughs> hey, you, you're gone for one week and we just totally changed the format of the show. <laughs> Oh, well, God. play one on us, Sam. Let's get this bad boy rolling. Uh, yeah, let's fucking do it. All right, this first one comes to us from Patreon, and it comes to us from DMC Governed Forty Nine. Could have been sixty nine. Could have been twenty off. And uh, there is no post title here. We're just going right into it. Ooh. And the story goes, hey, guys, I love the podcast and just wanted to tell you a little story about my first experience playing EDH. I'm relatively new to EDH. I started playing casual EDH whenever Forgotten Realms came out. And my first commander was Galia Kindler of Hope. It's a great mm-hmm. band commander. My first commander experience was playing at an LGS that runs a monthly league with a unique point system based on what sets are coming out. The season, unique deck building, etc. The object of the league is to award uniqueness and deter just building to win. You get negative points for winning before turn seven. I've been there. Okay. I'm going to have a lot to talk about this one. Um, But even with this (laughs) point-based system, we still have players playing to win. My first game was against a Gitrog deck. He won with a combo on turn five. This is a common occurrence every week I played at this LGS. Different players with the same behavior. I eventually just stopped going to my local LGS but I still play it on spell table in several discords like play EDH. I hate your deck, nitpicking nerds, etc. I was able to build more focused decks from those communities. And I fell in love with Zevlor El Turel exile after spending a small fortune, creating my first high powered EDH deck. I took it to my LGS and I was paired against the same player that played the Gitrog deck. He played prismatic bridge. Hey, beep, 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 beep. <laughs> And the other two played Prosper and Gavi. I open the nuts. Jeweled Lotus, Soul Ring, and a Signet. I play my commander on turn two, and on turn three or four, I play Acquire with Zevlor's ability and ripped a Blightsteel Colossus from the Prismatic Bridge player, Lightning Greaves from the Prosper player, and a Soul Ring from the Gavi player. I equip the boots to the Colossus and swing it at the Prismatic Bridge player. He scoops... (laughs) He scoops and says, I'm never playing this card again. He removes it from (laughs) his deck and puts it in his binder. After weeks of getting pub stomped by these players, returning the favor was lovely. (laughs) 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 That is is so good. That's also some super tasty salt of like, I feel like I could see myself doing that. I haven't, but like having that happen to me and then being like, all right, I'm done. And taking it out of the deck right then and there and putting it into your binder. Dude, I pretty much did this with Opposition Agent and Sisse. There was like one game where someone gilded Drake to my Opposition Agent and I was like, yeah, that's it. I'm done. I'm done with that. <laughs> Completely taking it out. I think I yep. remember that. Yeah, I, I remember that happening. Uh, so let's read Zevlor real quick. Zevlor Elturel Exile. Uh, this is a legendary creature tiefling warrior for one colorless, one blue, one black, and one red. So it's a Grixis commander. It has haste to 4-2, and it has an activated ability. Pay two, tap. When you next cast an instant or sorcery spell that targets a single opponent or a single permanent an opponent controls this turn, for each other opponent, choose that player or a permanent they control, copy that spell, and the copy targets the chosen player or permanent. So it's a big 
copy commander. You cast and target one thing, you get to cast and target a bunch of different things. It's sort of like that Nephilim a little bit that splits the targets out to other things. Yeah, it is. It, it is a lot like that. It's interesting that there's actually kind of a lot of different commanders that, that have similar effects like that, with like doubling spells, splitting them out, dividing them amongst, amongst a bunch of different things. The other spell here is called Acquire, and this is a sorcery. Oh, it's from Fifth Dawn. It's a nice old one. It costs three and two blue and says search target opponent's library for an artifact card and put that card into play under your control. Then that player shuffles his or her library. That card is awesome. It's a really sick That's spell. That's so good in that deck. That's <laughs> such a sick spell in that deck. Oh my God, dude. No wonder you were able to assemble like the perfect shit. Yeah, yeah, you were deciding to. <laughs> yeah, you were just like, oh, I need two mana from the soul ring. I need a big... Uh, hasty boy with with infect and i'll give him haste with these boots and we'll just fucking set it up love it nothing feels <laughs> better than greavesing a blight steal at somebody as well when it's not even yours <laughs> yeah <laughs> bonus points for it not being yours but i used to run blight steal and emery for for this exact reason it was just I remember fun that. to just dump out a blight steal and whack someone I love that the like this is kind of like an anime training sequence. Like this person went to the LGS and got got stomped on by Git Rod combo <laughs> <laughs> by someone fucking breaking not breaking the rules, but choosing to take negative points to win before turn seven, winning with their turn five combo. And then they were like, I'm gonna fucking train, like training montage and all these different discords and building this deck and then coming back and just absolutely stomping this person into the dust. Yeah, I'm like hearing the Rocky training montage music in the background while they're doing it. <laughs> or Karate Kid, the uh... on the streets. You know the Karate Kid one when he's at the tournament. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. You're the best around. Nothing's gonna ever keep me down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Sonic fucking rules, dude. It definitely like, does. It, I love so that good. fucking song. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah <laughs> that's awesome i will say like we're not huge fans of pub stomping we pretty much say you know you should never do that but every once in a while you do need to give somebody a taste of their own medicine and this sounds really far from a pub stomp too to yeah. be clear like this is a, a bridge player with a blight steel in their deck like exactly they, they've dished this out before yeah uh, it was about <laughs> time it was about time they got smashed with it they were also going to cheat their shit into play. Right. The bridge player is totally innocent. They didn't do anything wrong. Mm -hmm, they were mm -hmm. they were slighted in this uh, act, mm -hmm. actually. Mm -hmm. Is this you, Tony? Is this you in the story? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Do I have a blight steel in my bridge deck? I don't think you do, thankfully. I think it's in my... Uh, it's in that the golem deck. You piece of shit <laughs> you made it for me so i added it in there because i had it that's hilarious oh your golem deck golem is a is a lord of the rings character oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, my my like i wasn't clear enough in my golem and my golem <laughs> you just said golem <laughs> no but like i meant golem i'm so confused now <laughs> <laughs> got him <laughs> got him with the golem no, with the golem. I will say a couple things. The league stuff here, I just want to harp on for a second. 
getting PTSD or <laughs> I am. I literally am. So keen listeners will know the true 30% will know that I used to run an EDH league for a couple of years. Actually, I ran it with some of the listeners of the show, uh, some of my local friends over here. And it was like hit or miss. Like for the most part, we had a really awesome time, but we did have some rules to kind of control play. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think it bears mentioning again. Whenever you have rules like that, people will build to the ceiling of the rules and will even to some extent with like rule penalties and shit like that, will take calculated moves to take the penalty and still win the game. Like we had a rule just like this one where you couldn't win before turn seven, you would get a negative penalty. We also had a rule where if you won with an infinite combo, you would take a negative penalty. But I found that if you still won and beat everybody, you still got more points than everybody overall, even if you got the penalty for the infinite combo. <laughs> so I would bring my infinite combo deck and just be like, eh, whatever, I'll just fucking combo and take the penalty. And like, I ended up winning the league that year. Uh, so, you know, things like that, I get why they do it at LGS is like, you want to control the experience. You want to have some kind of uh, system in place where people can, you know, maybe feel comfortable building their decks, maybe avoid the rule zero conversation, kind of like trying to control the meta a bit. But man, it, it's just hard to control that shit. You know, I, I mm. think gameplay is more balanced when you don't have those rules in place and you just let people do whatever. But but they can just have a pregame conversation, you know? Mm. Yeah. yeah. The obvious thing with like you, you can't win until seven or you you take a penalty is then everyone just sets up to attempt to win on seven, you know, and that's like yeah. not that different too. So there's always these pitfalls to trying to put in over aggressive systems to try and balance the, the things out. This rule specifically also heavily favors whoever rolls first in turn order because they get their turn seven first. Mm-hmm. So they also get to attempt to win first, you know, yeah. and if other people don't have like an instant speed, combo win that they can bust out in the upkeep of turn seven which is what i used to do (laughs) then you know you're gonna get that penalty and it's it's kind of i don't know it's just not that kind of stuff is very imperfect it's hard to really get something balanced there yeah so that that's a tough situation to play in anyways one thing I do love about this, you know, we kind of talked about it as like the training montage, but playing in these different discords, I love that this player was able to find you know, enjoyment and find like kind of success and progress in building in these different environments. It's like really a cool testament to the state of online commander play that you can have positive enough experiences that you keep coming back to it and you feel like you improve as a player. I think that says a lot for the state of online play. Especially the uh, nitpicking nerds discord because my good homie Mia just took over as, uh, as one of their new hosts on that channel. Yo, Mia. Shout out to Mia. What's up? What do we think about the salt rating on that bad boy? Mm. See, for me, this is a lot of salt, right? Like this person was playing in an LGS for the first time. They came up against a deck that they weren't expecting to. They kind of got a little bit outclassed and, and sort of shown the stronger side of the EDH world with this Gitrog combo deck. And, and, and they were, you know rightfully taken aback by that a little bit maybe that's not what they were expecting uh it just happens it's it's sort of a a thing that happens but there was a little bit of salt there but they took that salt and kind of fostered it and 
turned it into something brand new. You know, it's like they took that salt and put it in Gatorade and fucking ran up the <laughs> stairs in the Philadelphia, whatever thing that Rocky did. And you know what I'm saying? And they came back and, and they no, that's the athletes in the old Gatorade commercials. And then they sweat <laughs> out Gatorade. You're, you're mixing up the metaphors, Sam. Rocky doesn't do that. In, I'm pretty in sure Rocky, Rocky sweat out Gatorade. Yeah. yeah, I think Rocky sweat out Gatorade. Yeah, it's in the Rocky G Force movie. Yeah. Yeah. When when Rocky <laughs> when Rocky was up against uh Brock Lesnar in Hell in a Cell and threw mankind off the top rope. <laughs> what the fuck is happening? He's having a brain aneurysm. That's the one with the part it's like part animated, right? It's got some Looney Tunes in it, I think, too. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like a Space Jam sequel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Tony, do you not know this? Definitely not. All I know is that I keep it short, sweet, and to the salt. And for me, the salt on this one was just tasteful at the end when he fucking ripped that card out of his deck and put it in his binder, which is like a happy salt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty amazing. I don't think I've ever caused anyone to to take a card out of their deck. <laughs> <laughs> Unless I was the person who cast Guild of Drake that one time. You've online. caused me to take <laughs> cards out of my decks. <laughs> really? Archfiend of Ifthier is one of them. Did you take it out of your deck? I did. Oh, wow. You should God. put that back in. You should put that back in just so that we can still see Sam freak out. But okay, noted. Don't noted. play it when it's going to impact me, but you should put it in the deck. Okay, noted. <laughs> just know I'll never cave to uh, to what makes you salty. I'll always continue to run it, but I appreciate that you took that out of your deck. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I will not give you the same kindness, but hey, thank you. That's very nice of you. It's like <laughs> nuclear deproliferation, but one side gets to keep their nukes. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but somebody did just say it was okay. I feel like I took it out because all three of you were crying about it, and I was like, well... Maybe it should go bye bye. <laughs> no, I I think it's a fine card. Like joking aside, I think it's fine. It's just there was that one game where I fucking removed it like twice, and you still yeah. brought it back out and still used it to crush the table. <laughs> and afterwards, Mike was like, "We should probably run more removal." And I was like, "I fucking removed it twice, dude. <laughs> like fuck off. I fucking removed it." That was really what got me salty. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I did it. I did the thing they tell you to do. I removed it. Anyway, we, we digress. Should we should we do another one? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. So this next story comes to us from Reddit, and this comes to us from user Space is Too Far Away. If you guys see Space is Too Far Away on the EDH subreddits, give them an upvote. You know the drill. Spread that goodwill. And the post is titled, With all the talk of power levels and pub stomping, I feel like we need to go back to 75%. And the story goes... Old fogey voice. It's a nice card reference. Back in my day, we didn't have to worry about OP decks. We brought decks to the table that we thought would be fun. And if it was too strong, we cut it back. And we liked it. Seriously, what the fuck happened to this format? It seems like every day there's a post here about someone rolling up and demolishing a pod. And it's not just internet panic either. I've seen it plenty of times in my local game store. It feels inevitable. Players keep improving their decks and inevitably start winning all the games. Watsi isn't exactly helping this with their constant tides of busted EDH cards. And Rule Zero discussions just seem to be paper over a gaping chasm of misunderstanding as everyone claims their deck is a 7. What's missing from this conversation is a very old precept of EDH, 75% your deck. In casual EDH, 
your deck should be 100% efficient. If you're making the game unfun for others by constantly taking over the game, you need to tone it down. And in the process, you get to play some jankier cards that you would otherwise have disregarded. Can we please go back to that? Seriously, read the article. They had their shit figured out in 2014. I think they linked an article here. Look, I'm not saying there isn't a place for optimization in Commander, but if you play it in LGS, you're going to go against different people with different ideas of how strong is appropriate for EDH. If you want to play the best decks possible, go play any other format or just play CDH. Unlike the rest of Magic, EDH is more akin to a four-player board game where everybody brings their own quarter-ish of the pieces. If you want to play enjoyable EDH, then bring a set of pieces that will contribute to an enjoyable game. If you're doing it with strangers and you're not a total newbie, bring a variety of power levels so you can build a fair game with unknown quantities at your store. And if you sincerely feel your ideal form of EDH is, quote, my deck takes over the game and kicks everyone's ass before they get a chance to play, unquote, then you're being an asshole. Mm, it's true. Yeah, I like this post. <laughs> I like this post a lot too. <laughs> there is one part of this post that I always get a little bit frustrated by, which is people saying like, Commander is supposed to be fun, so play fun cards. Mm -hmm. It's like, that doesn't, it doesn't really mean anything. It's very like reductionist. It like makes it seem like it's very simple. Like, why are you having trouble having fun? Just play fun cards and make sure everyone's playing fun cards and you'll be set. Everyone has vastly different definitions of what those fun cards are going to be. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of yeah. where the problem is stemming from. I always just take a small issue with that. But I do think that overall, this this post kind of hits the nail on the head. Yeah, I agree. I think that at its core, the message here is a good one and one that we mention all the time, which is, you know, if you really want to like absolutely play the most busted shit, play CDH because it's a blast and you'll have a really, really good time and you'll get to flex that muscle. And when you're playing with randos at an LGS, try to have a variety of power level decks mm -hmm. uh, to, you know, really be able to play at any level and, and have that pregame discussion. Mm -hmm. There are some things in here that I think are kind of interesting that I want to talk about in depth. The first is that everybody is misunderstanding their own deck and claiming it's a seven. That is like obviously like a big meme in the format, but at the same time, there's a lot of truth there. I think a lot of people misunderstand what they're playing and think that they're kind of on the cusp of something more powerful, but not quite there. But when you start to play with like more diverse groups of people, you find that your seven is someone else's five. Or, or maybe someone else is nine or something, you know, like our group's power level has increased steadily over the years where now we're playing these like fast casual decks that are like pretty fucking tuned and have like tons of tutors and shit like that. And that's very fun for us. But if someone jumped in and was like, yo, I'm running a seven and we were like, these are kind of our decks in that power level. It might be a weird experience. The other piece is this like concept of a 75% deck. Have you guys ever heard that before? No. I haven't heard it, but I, I do think that's like probably the most interesting part of this post, yeah. in my opinion. I haven't heard that term in a while, but I think they used to talk about it on like Command Zone and stuff like that. Um, it's definitely like an older EDH concept. But basically the idea is that like 75% of your deck, you know, excluding lands and stuff, 75% of your deck is clued into your primary strategy it's optimized card choices. It is like everything that we typically bring into a very optimized casual build. 
And then the last 25% is kind of your like flex slots to be creative, run some like maybe jankier cards, maybe like a four mana counter spell that does something else different that plays into your overall theme. Honestly, somebody who's really good at doing this, I would say is Tony. I think about like some of the counter spells that you run in like Zyrus or some of the cards, like removal cards that you run in um Rafine. Yeah, in Rafine, and how they're not like the most optimized option, but they are a little bit jankier, but they work really well in the deck. And like, you know, you could probably cut those and put in like fucking fierce guardianship and uh deadly rollick and stuff like that. But it's more interesting to have this like three or four mana counter spell, three or four mana removal that does something else on top of it. Yeah. I feel like I remember like my old decks are like this to a degree. And mm-hmm. like over time I did tune them up more, but it would be that I had more room in my mind for quote fun things or think things that aren't just like the most efficient piece. Like we're talking to here. Like I do mm-hmm. feel like a lot of my decks when I go to build them now, just the removal package, the the like ramp package, like those are kind of like set cards for me most of the time. I know what I'm going to put in for mana rocks. I know what I'm going to put in for removal because it's just the most efficient pieces that I have because mm-hmm. it's like the it is the best. So like, why would I even look for other things? And like, obviously, sometimes I find stuff, but I'm finding more and more that this is the problem with the format, right? <laughs> like, yeah, the sliding scale, you're never going to be able to match everybody up on it, but I do remember like building decks like that when it was more like, yeah, I've got room for all this funny shit. But now, like, if you have the funny shit in your hand and somebody else is popping off, you're like, well, fuck me. Yes, I'm not going <laughs> to yeah. do anything about that. Wish this yeah. was something more efficient. Yeah, <laughs> that's the real problem. It's not that I can't do it. It's that like I get into a game and I'm like, well, I can't fucking hang. So I think the the ceiling is creeping for everyone mm-hmm. across the whole thing. And like, that's kind of the thing that you're seeing, right? There is this game of you can play CDH to do high power stuff, but there's a a slew of decks that don't make it into the like CDH realm. They're just not good enough, but they are like stomping the fuck at a casual decks. Like what a lot of people view as like a truly pure casual deck. It's it's a hard balance. It's like interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think about like my Gave combo deck, somebody in the competitive EDH subreddit, recently posted and was like, hey, is Gave viable in CDH? And I commented and was sort of like, yeah, it is as like this weird fringe deck, but I just keep mine at high power because I find the CDH combos are very uninspired. They're like kind of these boring, like, you know, uh, what is it like the squirrel nest combo or whatever? Like, it's just, it's just not fun. I don't want to play those cards. I want to have like a three or four card combo that, has tons of overlap in the deck and assembles and it's very powerful, but you know, those are combos that you can't play at that upper echelon. So there is kind of this space in between where like people want to play heavy optimized decks. They want to have like incredibly efficient choices, incredibly efficient mana, incredibly efficient value pieces. And they want to jam at that high tier casual. I think what you said, Tony, about like, needing to keep up with people is one of the reasons why the 75% thing doesn't really hang like Mike's story earlier about like everybody making these $70 budget decks, everybody having these like janky rules and existing within a similar space. That is like the ideal 
play space basically mm-hmm. yeah you're forcing everybody to like a similar level yeah like, like these are the rules these are the constraints we're going to build in and because of that we're going to have this very similar experience there's still going to be variants there's still going to be you know blowouts and and stuff like that but generally speaking you're all within that same like sandbox in the playground doing your similar thing yeah mm-hmm. well because it also ties back to what you were saying before with like when you when you add these other rules then people are like okay this is the established ceiling yeah it's like the ceiling is more defined and so everyone builds to that ceiling and you just generally have a i would assume most times a more balanced game i think this is also an interesting case of the expansion of EDH has had a really huge impact on this. Like it started as this kind of niche thing that a select group of people were playing and they all came into it with select a very group of whales. Right. <laughs> sure. Um, that, that had a very uh, specific kind of vision of what the, the format was supposed to be. But since then you've gotten players that are on one hand, on one side of the spectrum coming in from other competitive formats looking for another way to play magic and seeing like, oh, this is one of the most popular ways of playing magic. Let me try that out. And then on the other end of the spectrum, people that have never played magic that are introduced to commander as sort of this, this graceful on ramp into magic, which it's becoming more and more one of the first formats that people will play, which is very surprising, but is something that we're experiencing. So those people are on total end of the spectrum in terms of game experience in terms of like what they're looking to get out of the gameplay and kind of what their expectation of what the default is some of those players are looking for this kind of cut uh tight interaction like high power thing playing these cards that they've known as like houses in modern and and standard and and older vintage formats things like that where they know these cards are really strong and so then they then apply these cards into this other format So I think just by nature of having a broader population of people playing it, you end up with it. It's harder for the default to end up lining up when you sit down into like a random untrusted pod. Yeah. And and I think another huge element of that is just the different resources that we have available to us, the different content creators out there, the different channels to watch EDH rec just as a resource on its own. There has been some like homogenization with the format, but also like homogenized power creep. You know what I mean? Like the fact that EDH rec exists and you can click on any commander and be like, give me the average deck. And that average deck as the entire EDH population continues to kind of go along with the slow power creep, that average deck is going to power creep too. And now you have people coming in and, and, you know, they're, they're checking out these resources and they're seeing that game nights is starting to run tighter win cons. They're starting to say like, hey, three mana rocks, you shouldn't be playing them in any deck. And now we're seeing the whole format speed up when these big voices are saying like, don't do this, don't do that. You should be playing this way. Not that they're preaching that stuff at all uh, in, in those like harder terms, but you do have this kind of growth, this natural transition into a higher power, more optimized play because that's what people are seeing. That's what people are reading about. That's what people are like finding online when they're looking for resources. Yeah. I mean, it's a higher starting point. Definitely. You just start off with more tuned shit. Did you, did you guys, um, did you guys ever use tapped out before EDH rec was out? No, uh, my, my first like 
deck building website or anything like that was like architect i think mm. i guess maybe what i'm saying is like i use it as a resource so there's like this site called tapped out and there's a bunch of 60 card decks on there i i haven't been on it in a long time i assume there's probably edh decks on there now probably but i used to look at decks with like similar commanders or legendary creatures that were like 60 card decks and i was like finding <laughs> i was finding cards for edh decks through that because i don't think i even <laughs> knew that scryfall existed yet and like maybe it existed and i just didn't even know it was there but like that was how i was finding cards between that and just like i think i was even using tcg player oh my god Putting like, in a card. What did people buy similar to this or something? I, yes. <laughs> literally, dude. Literally. Oh my God. That's, that's amazing, how much of a scrub dude. I used to be. That's awesome. still, That's how I made Hapatra. So, like, whatever. Fuck the police. Yeah, that deck Fox, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's a it good deck. It just probably took man. me way longer to make it, you know? <laughs> like... Yeah, it's, it is an interesting thing. I really do like this concept of a 75% deck. But at the same time, I think it's something that, like, a group needs to agree on as a deck building limitation. You know, you could build a deck like that and, and go out into the wild and play with people, but like you're gonna go up against optimized decks, you know. I mean, OP says it kind of in their post, like you're gonna find these overpowered decks out in the wild and you're just gonna go up against them, regardless of what you're bringing. I, I would even say that like a pre-con is probably more optimized these days than a 75% deck would. It be, definitely is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the food precon is fucking crazy. There's no bad cards in it. Slaps. It's insane. Like there's no bad cards in it. I'm making upgrades to it right now, and it is very hard to make cuts. Uh what do we think about the assault rating here on this one? I mean, it's it's more of a commentary than an actual and an actual salt here. I think I feel that. They yeah. accurately put on their old fogey hat to start the uh, <laughs> to start the post, and and I agree. Which I, I will say, is... Sam broke like partway through the line. So, <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not going to get a call back. No, definitely not. Fuck. You are not getting a call back. <laughs> Fuck. Let me try again. No, no. <laughs> but I do just kind of feel like this is you know going to your your favorite restaurant and getting something and being like, Hmm, this taste has changed and I don't like it when it's going to be different. Some of those ingredients yeah. just aren't around anymore. Things are different. What a humbling throwback there. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just kind of like the nature of where we are in the meta and, you know, to their credit space is too far away is fully aware of that in their post 75% decks. It sounds like a really fun concept. And I think I would be down to build something like that. If like, my crew was down like if you guys and, and nick or, or pat were like fully on board for doing that mm -hmm. but at the same time like we find our deck building joy in other spaces and i think that's totally valid too like some people want to play turn five get rog combo at their lgs uh and that's fine and some people want to play you know some super super jank that is uh, like worse than a pre-con not that a 75 percent deck is like that that's totally fine too. And if you want to build in a certain way to include these like, you know, quote, fun cards or, or cards that you think are creative. And that's really what it is, right? Like a fun card is like something that you found that's sort of like a diamond in the rough and you're like looking through the bulk box and it kind of harkens back to that day of building where you were like, yo, like I fucking never seen this card before. I'm putting it in. It's like some weird, weird spice. And when you play it, your friends are like, what is that? Yeah. Like, I totally agree that that space is wicked fun to play in. 
but you know, it's just a hard thing to bring into an environment that, that is so obsessed with optimization, which most LGS environments seem to be in my experience. Well, should we read another one? Yeah, definitely. Good post though. I I really liked that conversation. That was good. So this next one comes to us from Gmail and it comes to us from our friend Ace Horizon. What's up, dude? And the story is titled Bad Target Assessment and My Saltiest Moment. Let's get into it. Hey guys, yesterday was my saltiest day ever. My friends and I are playing in a pod of five and by turn order, it was me with Sephiroth then V with Killian, who we're doing some some initials, uh, but low power level Killian, then A with Demon's Warhammer Precon, and D with AC, and finally K with Obeka. But he does not play a lot of magic, and he plays a lot of clunky cards. The AC player, by turn five, had AC, Scoot Swarm, and used Jeweled Lotus, and was ready to pop off. The AC player also plays a bunch of extra turn spells, and a strategy is to play by himself until he can find a win, which happens fast if he is not handled. My turn comes, and I play the new Elish Norn. That was an amazing draw, since it blocked the AC player from getting his triggers with the lands, since it stops your uh, ETBs. It was also great because I run a lot of recursion besides my commander, so I can keep Elish coming back from the graveyard, and I can also sack her if she gets targeted with an exile removal. I pass and everyone plays with no issue, and the AC player cannot do much as he passes too. Then the Obeka player comes and plays Bedevil on my Elish Norn for no reason, since it didn't interact with anything on his board, <laughs> and it was keeping AC in check, and also triggering Ristic Study and Mystic Remora from the AC player, with no paying for anything. I got so upset by his horrible play that I started cussing out loud while <laughs> explaining why it was horrible what he was doing. <laughs> I also scooped since there is no way to stop the AC player. And like I predicted, the AC player was able to take three extra turns during their next turn and make enough scoot swarms to then one shot everyone. The power level difference was horrible since the Killian player, who is a good player, was playing on a low budget deck. Uh, And the Demon Warhammer precon player was also a good player, but was playing a precon. The AC player is playing his most expensive and most powerful deck. And the Obeka player was playing a powerful commander, but he is not that experienced at mechanics and magic and plays clunky decks. He also targets me with everything every time he can, just for the fun of it. And of course, I was playing my dungeon deck, which is a good one, but needs time to set up. After, I ended up talking to the Obeka player, and we're all good. They also love to see me salty, and they love when a salty treasure token comes onto the battlefield. Hell yeah, shout out to the uh, the salty treasure tokens that we used to give out. Wow, that's an interesting one. The Nornissi getting uh, hounded, removed is the <laughs> hounded. Mike, you're not supposed to make jokes like that. I get like one. I get one an episode. One an app. One an app. <laughs> yeah, that would make me rage too, man. When you have like a good stacks piece that's shutting somebody down, and somebody else removes it, and they don't need it removed, it's like, what are you doing? Why did you do that? <laughs> that's true. And they feed fish, and they feed Ristic. It's no good. Chaos play. Fucking chaos play, dude. Not a fan of that shit. It's also so painful to have these moments of just thinking someone did something completely wrong. And like sometimes, sometimes you can trust that the other player at the table is good at the game and they know what they're doing and they have some card in their hand or some reason 
Like this is one thing I really appreciate about playing with like Sam and with Nick is when they play something, I'm you like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Mike literally started saying this phrase and like close his eyes and envision me because he's a what? Anyway, Sam or Nick, I know that they might now. have like a card in their hand or a reason as to why they didn't do it. But <laughs> <laughs> with uh, other people, it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Such a I know you're face. playing and haven't thought about this and are just <laughs> casting a spell to cast a spell. Oh my God. So painful. You make one or two mistakes in your life, people, and just <laughs> all the all they fucking remember, all the critics over here. Yeah, you make one or two mistakes a game, and people become <laughs> yeah. critics. Up the shut fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so like I I can totally I can totally see that feeling. Even the post is written as there's this one person that's not very good. Yeah. And then there's these other players that are good players. And it's like, you know, you know that that's going to be so much more frustrating when it's that player that makes this decision. It's awful. I always hear or read people talking about this kind of interaction. And they're like, like, there's a lot of people on Twitter talking about it every once in a while. Like, there's a lot of posts out there on Reddit about it. And there is this mentality that's sort of like, hey, Sometimes people are going to target weird things. You don't know what their target prioritization is. You don't know the cards they have in their hand. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you don't know what their game plan is. You don't know if that was shutting down something that they were about to play and they needed it gone. Now that said, there is a limit to that. And sometimes some game moves are stupid enough where you're just like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? What the actual fuck is this? And they feel king enough where it's like, really? Like, what are you doing in this situation? I'm not talking about you now, Tony. Tony is like so mad over there. I'm not even talking <laughs> about you now. Tony, the fact that you're feeling called out is actually a pretty serious sign. Yeah, it's very condemning. Oh Again, it's happened literally like two fucking times. <laughs> but the fact that I mentioned king making and you're like, Oh, you're talking about me? Like that's not a good thing for you to be feeling. There's dude. one time that the king making happened. You guys already doxed me on an episode. I'm for not it. even bringing it up. I'm not, not even bringing it up. Yelling at me, <laughs> Tony slammed his fist so hard his camera shifted like four inches to the left. It just moved. <laughs> oh man! But all I'm saying is there are some moments where, like, yes. Try to give your opponents the benefit of the doubt. Try not to get salty. But there's some moments that are just so king and weird. You're like, what the fuck is going on here? I've had those in games before. The most recent one I can think of was one time we were playing live and Nick just like used instant speed removal, sorcery speed on his turn to like take something out yeah. when I was playing Marath. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, we are going to talk about this moment at the end of the game because I am so <laughs> flabbergasted. Like, I, I have to let it go so the game can continue, but we need to talk about this again. <laughs> and truthfully, I think that that is a good thing to do is to be like, hey, like, let's remember this moment and chat about it later because I'm confused. And uh, I forget what justification Nick had. It, it was just so funny to me that he like, sorcery speed played like a path to exile on something that was on my board and i was like why would you do that i don't know i'm still hung up on it clearly <laughs> what do we think about the salt rating on this one what do you think tony you barely you said guys anything. suck that's what i think about it <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> tony uh it's high man like this would make me wicked salty i'm salty just thinking about the time that nick did this to me once like <laughs> clearly it's salty it is salty 
it's so salty because you 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 want to think better of your friends too, and then oh my god, and then they let you down. <laughs> Again, we're not talking about you, Tony, but the fact that you think we are talking no, about Mike you. is talking about me. <laughs> I didn't say it. <laughs> is that fucking uh, time of the week yet? <laughs> that's a great question, Tony. Fuck all! I wasn't asking you. I was I was asking Sam. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, all right, then maybe it's Damn. not. Damn. <laughs> Yeah, I think it is that time of the week, Tony. Let me check. Yeah, it is that time of the week. Oh, sick. Nice. What is it? <laughs> it's the time of the week. The energy is so weird. I love it. <laughs> it's it's so it's become so tense. I'm fucking crying. <laughs> <laughs> it's the time of the week where we say, Mike? Mike, 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 Mike. What's the salty card of the week? Salty card of the week this week is Oko, even though you make me salty, I won't hold you at fault. He always plays the salty cards of love. Guess another song. In the morning when I rise, you bring a salty tear to my eye and play those salty cards every week. That is Danny's song by what is that like kenny loggins or something <laughs> we we love kenny loggins kenny loggins number one i've we had that song kenny stuck loggins. in my head for like a week and i'm singing it constantly and today i was like i better just it has to be the salty card of the week or the salty song of the week like there's no other options i feel like we've maybe talked about this before on the show but if people haven't gone through and looked at like all of kenny loggins album arts um you need to do that. Really? <laughs> we have not talked about We have this. definitely not talked about that. <laughs> okay. Pull up Kenny Loggins' Return to Pooh Corner album art and tell me that that isn't some of the strongest album art game you have ever seen. I'll link it right now for you. There you go. Oh, wow, dude. This is, this is a masterpiece. There's layers. The dude's got some far out shit here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this is Return to Pooh Corner. I mean, just the just the fucking name yeah. of the album first. Right. You've got a unicorn in the back. You have some galloping horses. You have an elder not elderly, but you know, a adult oh man, Kenny Loggins, sitting in front of a pool, it's sitting insane. in front of a, a, a glistening pond with butterflies and flowers looking at a reflection of a childhood version of himself reflecting back out of the water. This is wow. just like... Did you mention the unicorn? I feel like you I left did. out the unicorn. I, but I, I'll mention it again. There is a unicorn. Because that's important. <laughs> He's also wearing like a sorcerer's cloak. Like there's no other way to describe <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Like well, a it looks traveling like a sorcerer's, sorcerer's cloak on top and then scrubs underneath. It, yeah, yeah, he yeah, might like be hospital scrubs. Like yeah. nursing function <laughs> after hospital this. Scrubs. Uh, <laughs> Oh my God! There's another, there's another album called More Songs from Pooh Corner, <laughs> <laughs> and I can only describe it as him sitting in the middle of a desert, telling stories to two kids with a cloud castle, another unicorn, and some like dolphins and geese flying around them. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a swan. Yeah. Wow. I have heard the name so many times. I don't think I've ever seen a singular album art. <laughs> yeah, I'm you're missing, missing out. out. You're missing out. That's like, a, it's an important portion. 
Kenny Loggins, I, this is one of those CDs that just like floats <laughs> around. I have, <laughs> I'm driving a 2004 Corolla. It's the same car that used to drop me off in elementary school. And this is one of those CDs that is just like floated around in like the glove box or like nice. the between passenger and driver so seat scuffed. console. It's just like, it's great. I love it. Dude, playing with the boys is a fucking amazing Kenny Loggins song. He did like all the music to Top Gun. Like <laughs> he's, he's like a very, the breadth of the stuff that he's doing is very strange. I, I really hope there's no like controversy section on his Wikipedia page. I'm going to just not look yeah, should for we, a little while. Should we like scan? Hold on. Let no, me, let me let's, make sure. Let's skip that part. Don't ruin no, no, it. No. Just let start me, reading just, the card, Mike. Just a quick scan. Just a quick scan. Um, uh, nope he's don't he's ruin fine. him from Michael. he's clean he, he uh, had a couple he had a couple divorces and that's about it um that happens yep you know hey that that happens oh and you know he spent some money improperly but like bankruptcy uh, and shit but hey that happens uh, dude you know that happens too um well the salty card of the week this week is oko thief of crowns Ooh, Ooh. I feel like I could see Oko is almost sitting how Kenny Loggins sits. Yeah, he almost brings Kenny Loggins energy. So it's it's a pretty it's a pretty (laughs) timely song. Um, They could definitely be juxtaposed. And if any uh, endeavoring, that's not the right word I'm looking for. It might be. If any endeavoring uh, prospector wants to Photoshop Oko into a Kenny Loggins album art, oh yeah, be forever in your debt. Right at home in Pooh Corner, he's like yeah. in the background. I mean, Oko. Yep. I think we, it's safe to say that Oko is really the Kenny Loggins of the Magic: The Gathering <laughs> universe. <laughs> I mean, based on his album art and the card art, yes, <laughs> yeah, and his penchant for you know not wearing shirts, which. Just a quick Google, Kenny Loggins has a lot of open shirts when he's jamming. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Oko Thief of Crowns is one, a green and a blue for a legendary planeswalker Oko. He comes in with four loyalty, has a plus two, create a food token, a plus one, target artifact or creature loses all abilities and becomes a green elk creature with base power and toughness three, three. And minus five, exchange control of target artifact or creature you control and target creature and opponent controls with power three or less. Mm. So, Tony, does this one make you salty? It makes me really fucking salty. I fucking (laughs) hate this goddamn card. (laughs) And Michael at least had the dignity to ask me first because he is the one that fucking plays this stupid card. And he is the one that always targets my fucking shit with it. And it's always in CDH. And of course... S tier Salvala, so like he's fucking nuking her and then she can't do shit. Yeah. Salvala gets a lot worse when the Wincon is an elk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this card is is like really good. Because mm-hmm. sorry, what does it come in again with? Does it come four. in with, comes yeah. in with four. so it comes in with a four, right? You uptick it, goes to five, and like you nuke somebody's thing, and you can't even kill Oko with just the elk, right? Mm-hmm. Like I fucking hate this card. <laughs> it makes me so upset. And it just like, and people don't remove it either. It just like mm. stays there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he's just doing it turn after fucking turn. Like, <laughs> that's the milk. This is the milk. And I'm like, fuck me. Anyway. <laughs> well, thank like, you, Like, it's a powerful card, but like, fuck blue. <laughs> fuck this bullshit. And fuck planeswalkers. Wow. This is like the least blue, like, 
the last effect is blue, but the first two effects could both be just mono green. green. Anything yeah. other than I don't even know what it does. You read it, doesn't even matter. All I could think about while you were reading it is the fucking plus one <laughs> where you're elking my shit. Like, yeah. How about you, Sam? How does this make you feel? Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely a salty card. Um, I've been in some situations where it's made me pretty darn salty because like Tony said, it's just the repeated removal is so powerful. And the fact that it's an uptick, it's a four loyalty, three mana planeswalker with an uptick that is removal. I can only imagine what was going through the designer's heads when they mm-hmm. made this fucking card. I think they were probably thinking like, nothing? oh, well, it doesn't... You think nothing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were probably just jamming out to fucking Kenny Loggins, man. And they... <laughs> they're like, this is that shit. This is going like, get it. Let's fucking just like, set this joint up. People are going to love this card. I think it's... I think it must be that it doesn't actually remove the piece and still gives you a creature. You mm-hmm. know, like there's a lot of magic cards that are balanced off of like cost or the breadth of what it can target. And the balance is that it gives you a body after it gets mm-hmm. removed. For example, like Pongify or, uh, you know, Beast Within or something like generous that. Generous Gift. That whole, yeah, that whole kind of cycle. But no, those destroy it. I know. And like you get the thing. But but they destroy it. But the balance is that like Generous Gift and Beast Within can destroy any permanent. Like zero targeting restriction on a destruction spell is like very powerful at instant speed. And the, the trade-off there is that it gives you a body. And Pongify, again, is also like very powerful. And the trade-off is that it gives you a body. Rapid hybridization too. Yeah. And I, I feel like that must be where the designers were at with this one. But I just don't think that they realized that this is just so powerful on an uptick mm-hmm. yeah. and incredibly oppressive. I will say I've had some pretty funny moments with this where one time I was playing my Rafik deck. There's the mention, everybody. You can mark it off in your bingo card at home. <laughs> <laughs> And I was playing my Rafik deck and somebody elked my Rafik. Like I was about to hit them for commander damage and they elked my Rafik. And I was like, sweet. I swing my Rafik elk at you and kill you with commander damage. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, what? And I was like, yeah, it's still Rafik. He's just an elk now. Like it's still my commander. <laughs> and they like did not understand that. And it was a, a great moment for me. And I, they learned something too. <laughs> we love learning. Yeah. We love to learn. That's what this show is about. As we established on our last episode, <laughs> the show is about learning. Uh, today you learned about Kenny Loggins and um, it's really just become a Kenny Loggins podcast. As it is. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, how do you feel about this card? Oh, I love it. I love this card. I, I think that this has like this nice residual crust of salt from standard where it like <laughs> severely traumatized people and then got banned. Um, but I think it's hilarious. It was really fun to run in Sisse. I, I don't know if it's currently in there, but it, I love a planeswalker that's strong enough to be effective in a competitive meta. Yep. I think that's really nice. Like plenty of planeswalkers can make an appearance, but this one really feels like that's almost the correct home for it, which is nice. Yeah, it's good. In but it's CDH. also, it's for, a lot of the other ones are for their static effects almost more mm-hmm. than their yeah. actual abilities. And this is for its ability. Yeah, yeah. which is cool. And I, I do agree. I think I think it's kind of a miss, like a bit of a design mistake in terms of the power level of it. And that's why it got banned from the formats that it got banned in. But I also just like that, obviously, plus two create a food token, not very exciting. But both of the other effects are really strong. And I think that's an interesting choice. Like when you're playing with Oko, you really have a lot of choice around what you want to be doing. Like 
ticking up is pretty good. But if you just keep turning things into three three elks, like you're gonna get killed by that. You're like yeah. Oko's gonna get killed, and you're gonna start getting smashed by elks and eventually die. But the down tick is also effective, like removing like minus fiving and and switching something and having some kind of weird restrictions around it, like needing to get something power three or less, having to kind of create something you're comfortable exchanging. I really like all that about it, but. There is no doubt that this is a, a salty card and, and having effectively like a Pongify or a generous gift or something really more of a Pongify like on a stick and it turning off of all of your commander abilities. People mm-hmm. hate having their commander removed, quote unquote, in a way that doesn't actually put it back in the command zone. And this this does do that. And this can do that repeatedly, which is is pretty brutal. Having like an imprisoned in the moon effect or I mean, Kenrith's transformation is really Mm -hmm. the effect that is just crazy, you know, like to have that on a stick, to have it on a plus one and to be building towards that minus five. That is very powerful, Uh, not like game ending powerful, but it's it's pretty darn powerful as far as utility ultimates go on planeswalkers. And it costs fucking three, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Three minutes of shit. Honestly, it should have been four mana, should have came in with less loyalty, and it should have been a minus one ability. Yeah. That that's really it. When they tweaked Oko for Alchemy, they did bump it up to four and and it fixed a lot of the issues with it. Yeah. Where does it sit on the list, Mike? Well, why don't you take twenty nine? Uh, what was that? Twenty nine. Twenty nine. All right. All right. Sam, what do you think? Um over gonna... under that, Sam. Yeah, Fucking I will. Bitch. I'll do it right now. Uh I think it is forty one, Mike. Sam takes it again. It is uh, 45. What? Hey, Tony, um, huff my fucking farts, dude. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you think you're better than me? Oh, you're boy. not. Oh, you are boy. not. <laughs> That's bullshit. That's just people who don't know the effects of this card because it gets played CDH. They don't even know what it means to be salty from it. <laughs> I think you have a warped perspective of this too, because I do not. I think this sees more play in casual than it does in CDH. Way more in casual. Way, way more. Casual. Yeah, no, no, I understand. <laughs> uh, oh well, man, my winning streak has been amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's you're demolishing. Yeah, um, it's, it's been a long time. All right, well that wraps it up for the uh, salty card of the week. Thanks, Mike. That was a great salty card of the week. And thank you to our prospectors out there for tuning into another episode of the Howling Salt Mine podcast. If you want more Howling Salt Mine, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Howling Salt Mine. We have a monthly show uh, called Extra Salt, where we do deck text, Q&A. We just had another Q&A episode go up. And we also have Stray Grants, which is our short form show. But most of all, we have the Discord, which is just a fantastic little community we're growing. We are doing Discord game nights now. Uh, we had our first one a couple weeks ago, and it was just a massive success. Tons and tons of fun playing with the patrons, playing with the uh, the other members of the 30%, the prospectors out there. And yeah, check it out. It's a really good time, and it's a great way to support the show if you're really having a good time listening to us. Also, if you have a salty story that you would like featured on a future episode, Please send it to us. We would love to hear it and we will take it and throw it into our episode queue and, uh, you know, get it in the system that we have set in place. We're extremely organized and definitely didn't take 15 minutes this episode, just figuring out whether we had read a specific <laughs> post before or not. <laughs> 
send it to our Gmail at thehowlingsaltmine at gmail.com, or you can DM it to us on any of our social media. Uh, all of that information is in the show notes for this episode. Also, if you haven't done this yet, a five-star review in your favorite podcast app really does help the show. I know a lot of people say that and they're like, like, comment, subscribe, and all that stuff. But subscribing to the show really helps us. And a five-star review really helps us. That kind of stuff increases our visibility in the algorithm for all those various apps. It's all about algorithms, guys. You know what I'm saying? It helps people find us in the wild. And it really helps our little podcast grow. We also have merchandise if you are looking for another way to support us or you also just want to rock some Howling Salt Mine swag, we've got a bunch of shirts up on our Bonfire store. Our link is in the bio. And lastly, we got to shout out our amazing podcast artist, J.D. Burnett, for gifting us our beautiful podcast art that we love so much. If you're ever in Asheville, North Carolina, hit him up and get a tattoo from him. He's an awesome guy. 10,000 subscribers are bust. We will bust when we have 10,000 subscribers. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> just the uh, quietest oh boy from mike uh, <laughs> <laughs> well thanks everybody as always stay salty and don't forget to draw an additional card during your draw step it's the howling song read this one before well, it doesn't sound familiar to me i don't know did you mark it in the episode tracker oh hey, zing zinga zinga <laughs> i don't remember dude oh no i didn't fucking mark it i think we read this one but is just an incredible uh, an incredibly powerful an incredible commander incredible 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 sometimes you sometimes you make a, a word mistake and you just try to push by it uh, yeah and you hope that no one's going to say yeah, anything you're like can i just fly. correct fast not enough today yeah not, not today. today we had ah, shit sorry sam edit this i had this tab up and then i fucked yeah, I'll edit this. I'll make it much louder. And at the start of the episode. Boost my gain. Um, keep talking. I need to find three Reddit posts or three posts that were. Oh my god. Sam's Sam. ugly and I fucking hate him so much. Samwise, you had one job. My I did it. I fucking edited it. I can't the carry the podcast, but I can carry you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so easy to like I just cut that. Let me try that again. <laughs> I feel like this. <laughs> I'm asleep. It's 1030, guys. We said we weren't going to go. We we did late. not say that. Just no, first no, of all, I, we did not say that we were not going to go to 1030. Yeah, we never agreed. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm saying in the future.